1: Jules Gale is the entire banner podcast, the UBP, the UBP, the UBP. UBP. Sonic Frontiers will never be mentioned again on this podcast. It is done. 22 hours in, it is done. That game was a buggy mess. It is done.
2: I'm just going to say, I feel so vindicated. There was a <laughs> meme that was doing the circuits after the UBP where I was just there like, yes, eating it all in. This Sonic <laughs> Frontiers has come out. The fans have defended it in droves, and then all of the critics have weighed in and said, but is it really? And they were like, yes, it is. It's the best thing of the world. It's the best thing in the world. <laughs> and then there was the whole Donkey thing that was coming out and then it's like um, Stephanie Sterling had went out on the front lines and said how uh, <laughs> they were just like not enjoying it as much it was right. a piece of garbage and then it was a case of it just I had a great time I had a great time watching all of the fallout from this
1: <laughs> I would say that I'd call myself a fan I do think it's fascinating the fallout from it it's not worth adamantly defending there are clearly issues with it <laughs> Donkey's video was very much on point um, as to the obvious stuff that's up with it like popping, yeah. like the physics bugs um, and like the complete lack of polish and how rushed the ending is, My it's, th-
2: yeah, favourite bit was for the defenders being just like um, well of course if you go to an area that's not been like fully finished or thought <laughs> out and point out the bugs then of course you're gonna have a bad time it's like no no that's not how no. it works you don't, just, get to pi- you don't get to pick and choose which glitches and errors and bad uh, game design you do and do not talk about it's
1: just like it's, it's, it's Sonic the Hedgehog it's Sega and it looks like that like how are we not how are you not getting this right I think if like if inter- the thing is this this made me Google what is why does this keep happening and it's because Sonic <laughs> Isn't big in Japan. I always thought that Sonic was like a global icon. He's not obviously like he was created in Japan to sort of very much contest with Mario in the West and everything. Yeah, but, but
2: was, wasn't he created in the very first instance to be a mascot for the West? So it was always from the yes. off them saying like we are making something that isn't for the home market. And I well, imagine yeah. that like imagine if somebody came out and just said like Hey, look, we're creating this mascot and it's for uh, like uh, for, for Japan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to have all of these stylings and tendencies that don't gel potentially well with the culture that you're in. So of mm-hmm. course that mascot coming out and be like, well, it doesn't represent us. How yeah. are we meant to be, like, happy about this? Well,
1: that's the thing. Sonic was made to be, to, like, to replace Mario. Like, wherever he was slow, he'd be fast. He was all attitude and whatever else because Mario was more, like, subtle or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I just, yeah, subtle. And I couldn't think of a word there. I was, like, restrained <laughs> for the amount yeah. of wahoo that he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, um, yeah, I didn't realize that Sonic wasn't a thing in Japan, really. And so like, I think that means that Sega don't allocate that much of a budget to, the, uh, to Sonic Team. And you can tell. Like, that's one of the things where, like, this game... Is the best Sonic game there's been since Sonic Generations, one of the top four overall, but it's still messy. We're discounting and buggy. Sonic Mania, are we? I, I guess that's like a repackage, but that would be in there. Like, if, if, if you're fact, I'm going main canon. If you class, I like, guess we have to do Mania.
2: 3D games as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking basically Sonic 2's the best, Sonic 1's after yeah. that, then Generations, oh. and then oh. Frontiers. Oh. That would be mine. Oh. I wouldn't oh. even be having an adventure in there. But um, still, Frontiers is like ambitious and cool, and the soundtrack's phenomenal. There are good things in it, but oh my god, it's not worth dying over.
2: So I'm just going to say here at the very beginning of this podcast, he said we're not going to be talking about Sonic Frontiers. Here we are, a couple of minutes in, and we're still talking about. It. So let's just okay. let's just put this in a box, right? And yeah. then we're going to send that box to hell. Okay, so
1: here we go. If something else comes up about it, because they said it was a glo- they refer the developer director of the game referred right. to it as a global play test, and we all kind of went, that, "What? What, what yes. is this? Now? Like, so is this? Are you going to fix the pop in? Is that is that a DLC? Like, what are we doing? And so if he addresses that again, maybe I'll pop back up. But yes, Sonic Frontiers is in the box. We'll bury it and for my own sanity and yours we'll try not to talk about it
2: again I've heard about game devs coming and doing sort of patches after the fact but to go out and be like yeah this was actually just a shadow <laughs> sort of drop of a release like that's a gotcha. new one like just be like guys this was just a demo we yeah. forgot to tell you it's, and it's early access whole... but, but not you paid for it up front eh? yeah
1: like that wing of the fandom who's like well I can't wait to see what they do next and it's like no you've already paid they should have oh, had it I'll like, tell, you, tell you
2: what it's good when you've got a fan base that is that dedicated imagine just you're whistling down to the cow shed <laughs> as you milk them dry because it's a case of you could yank their actual teat off and like with the force that you're milking them and they would still turn around and be like oh you can keep that mate consider yeah. that a tip I'll, I'll, sh- I'll, grow,
1: I'll grow one back you can do it again don't worry yeah, about exactly, it yeah, do exactly. it again in the next few years um, but yes this is the Entitled Battle Podcast where we take on your latest questions talking points and whatever else you'd like us to talk about in the industry I don't know if I did our names I'm Scott Tilford, you're Jules Gill.
2: I am indeed unfortunately
1: <laughs> fortunately for me though um, in terms of the questions we'll try and get through as many as we can now I mentioned I was, meant to, I was meant to mention this last week mm-hmm. from Jack Jingle, um, who says, how much importance did you place on your significant other being a gamer from the newly married Howie Jingle's reporting from oh. the Maldives? On oh, their honeymoon. big bless well, to you, mate. Congratulations and have fun. Although it might be over by now because I've missed it by a week, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> what do you think about um, your significant other being into games?
2: I think it's just that, like, I... <sighs> it would be great to share interests with people uh, especially your loved ones across the board like every single thing you're in sync with but I don't ever think that it's essential I do enjoy the fact that video gaming is very much my thing and Kerry's got her own different stuff Mm. but it's a case of we we share a lot of other hobbies instead. So video gaming just potentially isn't one of them. And it's not Mm -hmm. that she hates video games. She is just, in her own words, she doesn't think that she's very good at them. But It's like, when we do sit down and play, she does enjoy them. Like, uh, she really enjoyed playing through Guitar Man. And we were playing through, she played a lot of rock band at university Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we played through Stray and stuff like that. So there's games that, we do bond over but mm-hmm. they are just the venn diagram of like her interests and mine don't usually overlap i mean the games i play are usually either warhammer focused or intense <laughs> tactical games where you have to spend like an hour planning your next move before you're even like ready to press click and yeah. get, it, get it done now to a casual gamer that's like the worst that's the antithesis <laughs> of gaming you're spending this amount of time stressing out like, yeah i
1: do quite like the emergence of um i don't like a full term for it but like backseat gamers but in a positive way that idea of you know you Can both play through something like an Uncharted or something that's blockbuster, something that has those cinematic qualities? Like when I got God of War Ragnarok in for review, and my wife was like, "Don't start it without me," and I was like, "Okay, like I'll wait and we can do this together." And then it's like I'm keeping her repressive, whatever's going on in the story, and then we'll do some of the major cutscenes. If something feels like something major is going to kick off, I'll pause and then you know give her a shout and then like we'll do that together. Um, but yeah, I I guess it's like how much importance do you place on your significant other being a gamer? I don't really. I think that it's like it's awesome if you can match up, like you Mm -hmm. said. Mm Um, but it's and it's great. The thing is. I'm debating buying Pokemon this another Pokemon this year I've already got Arceus um, but the one Ooh. that's out I know
2: the one you mean, that's the, out, br- you mean the brand new GameCube game that's
1: the, out? yeah yeah, the one mm. that looks like it sort of like mm. looks like Morph
2: the one from yeah. like back in like 2002 <laughs> you can see the fingerprints and all yeah
1: that like, that. like it just like, oh my god the latest trailer they did I was like oh this is actually what you're releasing for £60 like this is actually what you've done
2: like don't worry mate it's just a global play test <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> if one person starts doing it they'll all start doing it but yeah I was going to get this this year's second Pokemon so we could actually yeah. play through it in co-op together because that would be nice because my wife's got a switch for the first time ever and I was like that would be sweet and that sounds like a fun idea and I always love the idea of co-op stuff but I do find that um like you know that idea of like you you were saying about Kerry not being that comfortable with certain control schemes and stuff yeah Anything with right right stick, constant camera control, or constant oh, aiming, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. whatever, that just makes my wife run for the hills. Like It's just the <laughs> idea of aiming, and like, we try to play it takes two, and we got very far through that. But there's a lot of bits in that where it's like, pressurized, take out a bunch of targets, and she's yeah. just screaming, going like, I can't do it at all, I'm just getting killed. So, yeah, I don't know if it's like, I, I like the idea of when it syncs up, it's fun, but I would never yeah. have a reliance on it.
2: I mean, this is the thing. If I was ever, um, and I pray to God that I'm not, uh, put back onto the uh, singles market again, <laughs> if I was to look for shared interest, then maybe mm. gaming would be a part of it. But mm. I know how much like, time it takes up out of it. I don't know. I, I, just, I wouldn't place on it as an importance of, like I'm falling in love with somebody because they are a gamer. It's just a no. po- positive if they do I also enjoy I think, gaming as well.
1: Yeah, I think for me as well, it has to be the other person has to have an allowance for you to game, because it's a long hobby. Like, you know, oh, like, it is, yeah. Things take a long yeah. time, maybe you do the TV, or whatever it is, and mm-hmm. it's like, you don't want to be like a dick about it, but at the same time, someone has to be able to respect yeah. that this is what you love doing, this is how you yeah. want to spend your time. Um, and my wife is like, she bakes, and she crafts, and yeah. like, she's doing all sorts of reading comics and like playing her own Switch. Yeah, because she's, like, yeah.
2: she's doing the stuff that you potentially wouldn't want to do with her in that sense. So yeah. It's a case of like, um, you uh, and again it's not like you don't enjoy baking it's not like you mm. don't enjoy doing crafts and stuff like that it's mm. a case of just you're choosing to spend your time doing the gaming instead of I think of if
1: it like, a, um, yeah. like one of those crisscrossing double helix things where it's like we'll yeah, go our own yeah, way yeah, for yeah, a bit and then yeah. we'll cross over and she might be like oh come help me with this recipe or come to do this thing or let's bake let's make this together and I'll yeah. be like hey this cool thing just happened in God of War so yeah I think it, it works itself out I think you just uh, the importance is as is whatever you yeah. make it like if well, it's it's like, a um, clash then yeah
2: so like Kerry and I uh, we enjoy doing like uh, bouldering and climbing together mm. that's like the thing that we enjoy doing the most Mm. and so therefore when that happens that's when i'm the happiest because i get to share a hobby with her so i understand why some people would want to like get gaming as being their thing Mm -hmm. but it just is nice to then go i have climbing and i have my own thing yeah yeah and i I don't know about you not to get this into a relationship podcast Mm. but sometimes if you spend too much time with the other person doing the exact same things Mm. all the time then i imagine that your pool of things to talk about because our interests are what define your conversations with with mm-hmm. that person your interest define who you are and it allows you to mentally digest a lot of stuff that's been going on in the day like sometimes mm-hmm. I use gaming not as a uh, space to play a game but sometimes to unwind and do something that I uh, like the Dynasty Warriors thing it's repetitive gameplay. my brain switches off and I can process other things you've so got to play
1: Vampire Survivors by the way you I that. really want to play it. I've yeah. actually seen it now and it looks yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. I was, it's on Game Pass it's, it's like you know, the only um, control you have is the analog stick you just move yeah. around and everything auto attacks yeah. but it has such a move so mentality that I was like Jules would love this
2: I'm very keen to play that game Mm. and like again just going back to the point to finish it off is a case of if you have too much shared interest and I imagine that sometimes you're pool of conversationary topics is a bit drier I'm not yeah. saying that that's true for everyone but I'm just saying that but, that's I mean, something that a, I personally worry about yeah
1: there's a reason that you wouldn't want to date your clone like because you oh, don't yeah, want everything yeah, to be yeah, exactly, exactly the same I think that it's like yeah like you can complement each other and it it only leads to a better relationship or a better shared pool of things overall yeah I think it's just um, whenever you can make it work it's awesome but for me it's just it's rare but if I need to get through something for review like my wife is always like just take the TV just do whatever yeah. you want you just yeah, do yeah. 10 hours like all day fine Um, yeah I think it has to be that like sort of shared under thing. I think if I was dating someone or marrying someone who um, the whole time I was playing was waiting for me to be done, that would just suck.
2: That sort of pressure on you to finish, to spend time with them. I imagine that's mm. not pleasant. So Yeah, um, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, next question from DMD. Actually, sorry, I was going to talk to you about Game of the Air because you mentioned that you played Stray. And I did a little oh, bit yeah. of a rant on this week's yeah, podcast, because yeah. I don't think Stray is one of the six best games of the year. But I want to get your quick thoughts on that, because it got it's, it's nominated as one of the six at the Game Awards.
2: Now, that is a genuinely surprising to me, because <laughs> I don't think that Stray is definitely Game of the Year. I no. definitely don't think so, because um, while it has amazing aesthetics and it has like this great design philosophy, mm. the puzzles the actual delivery of that game leave a lot to be desired. Like the I animations so. are very stiff and mm-hmm. janky in some areas. I do find that the puzzles are very basic. They don't really feel like they're challenging you. And it's just a nice game. And I yeah. feel like it's like um, the it's equivalent It's not seafood, was my thoughts. No, exactly. And it's the equivalent of your pop uh, corn blockbuster movie. You go in there, you get a rush of like sugar, and you mm. walk away, and you feel cool. That was a thing that I enjoyed in the moment, but I <laughs> I'm not I, I didn't go away thinking, oh, that was a deep reflection on the philosophy of the human existence. It was just a like <laughs> is a game that has a cat, and I feel like maybe we are falling down the internet hole with this game in the mm-hmm. sense of has a cat does not mean <laughs> is a good game. Like the the meme that took off when it was like, um, can you pet the dog in X? And mm. it was like even that new game. That just come out which is all about uh like it's, it's drawn like it's the Bayou Tapestry um, oh the, uh, yeah Pentiment like mm-hmm. it was like straight away the first thing that came out of it was like yes you can pet the dog so right. like, I don't care about that it's <laughs> a know. lovely little touch and a facet to it but you are removing the tone and point of that game which mm-hmm. is to be heavy heavy digestion of what it was like to be alive in that time
1: yes I could not agree more that was the thing I just wanted to get your quick thoughts I don't want to repeat everything I yeah. said on the main yeah, podcast yeah, but that was yeah. my exact thoughts on it I was just like oh it's the game with the cat in therefore it gets very- for stuff and it's obviously not the case enough people have voted but still
2: but like you said Sifu is a a phenomenal game that literally changed my perception on way action games should be played mechanically it was fantastic and to have the revelation after the fact that when you go through the game you then figure out you can uh, forgive people instead Mm. to break that cycle of violence beautiful message to add on top of the totally. game that arguably could have walked away from it and didn't need to put that extra bit in but mm-hmm. the fact that it does is what that game is about it takes that step further mm-hmm. and then kicks you in the face with it
1: yeah million percent like I mean yeah like I we <laughs> catch my rant on the main podcast but I can okay. only echo that like it's like yeah seafood tunic there are just a bunch of it cold of the lamb should have been the top six yeah, yeah, like yeah. stuff like
2: that so what um, six have we actually got just so we just so, so the, on the, the
1: rundown of the top six if I get it right is God of War, Ragnarok Elden Ring Plague yep. Tale Requiem yeah um, Three, Xenoblade Chronicles three, and one, and uh, no, and one more that I'm blanking on. But, but that seems yes.
2: already that there's like a one of these things is not like the other because <laughs> um, I can understand the. You, what's the first thing you think of when you uh, look at the four or five of those games? Girth, big yes. girthy games, full of meaty emotions, fantastic animations, and a ton of love. One. And Horizon is a perfect addition to that because, again, it ticks all of those boxes. Mm -hmm. Actually, genuinely surprised to see Horizon in the top one there. It feels like maybe they've just slid that one in there because the fact is another big game that was released. Because I've heard a lot of people say that while it is a very pleasant experience, Mm -hmm. it's not boundary pushing. I mean, Elden Ring, in my opinion, it deserves to win Game of the Year. And I know that it's been on everyone's lips and people are going into that weird thing that they do which is we become oversaturated with the idea so we're almost backlashing on it saying it's not as good as you thought it was (laughs) yet those same people were a couple of months ago playing it feverishly and not able to sleep at night thinking Mm -hmm. about how to beat the godskin apostle and stuff like that (laughs) like this is a game that deserves recognition because it moved the they don't like it being called an open world thing, by the way. I found oh, that it. Out. Totally it, is, moved, it moved the genre of what a From Software game is forward. It mm-hmm. was the distillation of everything great about the Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro franchises into one game, mm-hmm. and. It does have its flaws, but it is faultless. I, it's, a, it's a hypocritical statement, but that is what I feel of that game.
1: I would, I could not agree with you more, Jules girl I absolutely <laughs> love everything you just said. Yeah, I think that um, Elden Ring, I think we'll take it. Um, God of War is a stellar like, video game overall. I've yeah. put more time into doing all the side stuff across yesterday. But um, yeah, I, I mean, feel d- like Elden d- Ring is just gigantic.
2: I'm an absolute mug I'm an absolute mug do you know what I did what I, d- I don't have a PS5 I don't have that <laughs> but I've I completely backseat gamed this I've watched the entire thing I've seen I've, I've played the entire game watching other people you? play I, like, I've like. i experienced the entire game and you know what I've had a great time but 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 but, but, but okay. the one thing that I have noticed is that uh, after watching people play through this game mm-hmm. I've just gone like yeah pretty phenomenal like amazing okay. writing some great twists but mm. doesn't feel as strong potentially as i felt with the uh, first one and and it, i watched uh, other people play through that so don't comment at me saying it's because you <laughs> didn't get the hands-on experience i watched other people play that as well before mm. i got my hands on it
1: i think it's an interesting one there's a lot of stuff to talk about for like that are specifically spoiler based for ragnarok but like um, yeah we can't talk about we won't go into here yeah but um the things that game does i think advance video game storytelling i think advance the medium i think the way that it portrays parenthood and the challenges yep. of parenthood and trusting your child and, the, and then literally like living through that as creators like playing yes. that character i think that's pretty good pretty I will, incredible. i will
2: I would gladly agree with you on all of that apart from I'd say that the narrative drive of it feels mm. a little less focused than totally. the other one and I feel yeah. like that's my only comment on that
1: oh man like that was my when I did the review that's why I called it the, one of the riskiest sequels in years because I don't think yeah. it does anything for about 15 hours like it takes it's sweet time you probably would have skipped a bit of that if you were skipping past the gameplay but in yeah. terms of like the amount of side stuff um, there's only the amount of like content there is to do in that game before you're really dealt a decent propulsive narrative hand I think it takes about 15 hours mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes um, next question from DMD Does Gaming who says what's your favourite gaming snack i.e. to snack on while gaming mine are salt and vinegar chipsticks now I don't think you can beat that but oh wait no uh, you can you can because
2: you can take them into overdrive do you remember we (laughs) came over this was back when um, Ben Potter and Peter Austin were still working Mm. with us and we went over to your house to play the Dark Souls miniatures game (laughs) um, (laughs) and on the way we we stopped at the little co-op that's by your house yeah so we went in there and I spotted these things which were listed as my mouth is watering thinking <laughs> about them because I've got a Pavlovian response to this. Uh, it was they were uh, like salt and vinegar chipsticks yes. in the same design, but mm-hmm. they were listed as McCoy's fish and chip shop salt and vinegar and I I ye, ye gods mate you put one of them in your mouth it goes right through your tongue like it was the floor of the Nostromo and it was alien blood because no. my god like it melted but it was so good because you're just like I'm in heaven and in pain <laughs> I always like when you have like way too many well I don't
1: know if I like this feeling but you know when you have way too many like salt and vinegar Pringles and your mouth just kind of shrivels up it just kind of oh, becomes like a time, towel holder baby. Yeah. all the time man. it's just that
2: I, thing like I have repulsive dry mouth uh, to begin with. So that <laughs> on top of it, I'm just like, oh, welcome to the desert. Welcome Like
1: to the me, desert. myself and Irene. Just, uh, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I would go with, yeah. We, I guess we're both going to back chipsticks. I don't know why chipsticks don't have more of a cultural recognition, but I feel like they are. Everyone knows what sort of chipsticks are, but no main yeah. brand makes them. It's not like there's Walker's chipsticks or anything.
2: I would say that it comes down to whether or not you are a dip man as well. Because um, mm. I feel like if you are looking at the chips and the dip, i would gladly go for a subpar chip but have hummus as my dip because that Ooh, combo is good there or you go for the classic uh i was gonna say my mum's name on the thing but i'm not gonna uh, my mum, my classic <laughs> uh jules's mum's name um <laughs> staple of ants on a log if you've not had ants on a log well, as the a kid in hell is oh, ants on a log brother 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 let me tell you <laughs> Because what you do the is Christmas you get a you uh, stick of celery, right? You chop off those nasty ends. Get out of there. You're, <laughs> you're done. Then you fill the center canal with peanut butter, right? Okay. I know, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> the the uh, Mariana Trench full of <laughs> like um, uh, peanut butter. Okay. And then you take some raisins, or sultanas, uh, your choice, dealer's choice, and oh. you put them in a line down the uh, middle of the peanut butter, <laughs> and you have crunchy, uh, salty. Yeah peanut buttery And sweet, all in one delicious snack is it? Is a snack for five-year-olds, but honestly, (laughs) I feel like you enter the same this weird stage when you hit your mid-thirties, which is you just regress suddenly. You just go like, like... you know what? I had life. Life was better when I was five years old. Let's go. Let's let's do some of that.
1: Kinda. Or you have the bold the boldness to try such things that would be laughed out the room (laughs) if you were younger. I think because you approach it from an aged perspective, people will go along with it. Like I feel like everyone's mum or dad or parent has a general thing of, oh, this is what you want. And my mum used to have. uh, Apple slices with sugar and just sort of dip them baller, in. Baller. The baller. Yeah, just that's absolutely the thing. baller And there was some other things, it was like, um like my wife has apple slices with peanut butter on top. And I'm just like, See, again, again, peanut sure? butter and
2: apple it, peanut butter is the is uh, life's lubricant, mate. It goes with everything. <laughs> it just goes with everything. And it the make, best like, part makes is, life move better. I think that maybe it's like a philosophy in your mind when, like, you reach a certain age, and you know, you just say, like, "Old people do not give a what about <laughs> what, what they think." And I feel like it starts with food in your mid sort of thirties, and because it's like now, if mm. somebody comes up to me and be like, "Oh, ants on a log, you eating a child's like uh, like <laughs> snack uh, while you're playing gaming," I'd yeah. look at them and be like, "Bro." Like, I'm, I'm not a violent man, but I'll stab you if you say that again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll stab you with the, with you the ants on a log, and then your body will bleed out in its delicious gooey goodness.
1: <laughs> Don't make me make this recipe even Yeah, taller. yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. Do be. not make me uh, slaughter in the name of <laughs> ants on a log.
1: Um, someday I will try ants on a log, but it's I just uh, maybe a problem with the marketing. I feel like it could be named better.
2: What do, what do you want me to call it? What Jules' sticky sweet stick? Well, no, no we're not calling no it that one, are we?
1: No one's coming running to ants on a log, is what I'm saying. Even Jules's okay. log would get them get the move. <laughs>
2: I tell I tell oh, mate, the What Culture merchandise store has just had another absolute popper. You can buy yourself the UBP mug. Uh, a nice little plug there. And yeah. you can also buy yourself a the Ants on a Log <laughs> recipe book. It's just one recipe. That's it.
1: Someday we'll do Ants on a Pod. That will be our oh, uh, food podcast. Um, I should mention that Adam Took asked us what is in line for our game of the year. Um, is it just between God of War, Ragnarok, and Elden Ring? Um, okay. And then they mentioned the word that we shall not say anymore, whether that game was game of the year. But oh, it's in a okay. box now, yeah. so don't worry yeah, about so it. Um, and do. Away. You, do you have a front runner for your particular game of the year?
2: I, it's got to be Elden Ring. I've had mm. the most fun with it. I mean, I'm looking at my uh, Steam. Playthrough time the other day And I was just like Wow Five playthroughs deep And I'm still Duh. Just finding new areas <laughs> To do it Because I, I went through The mindset of like I will find and see And do everything In my mm. first playthrough Realised that that was Near on impossible mm-hmm. So finished the game Second playthrough Came for the comedy build Stay yes. for the magic Then it was like The third and fourth playthrough Rattled by And I was just like Yeah yeah this is great And yeah. now I'm finally Going to new areas And just being like Wait did I do this bit before <laughs> I've played the game so much I can't remember If I've done it or not So it feels brand new see, again See I
1: Like everyone said that when you go through it the second time that feels incredible because you're so over leveled it's like new mm-hmm. game plus so you can just like uh, ostensibly one shot bosses and stuff I've only ever done my one playthrough it's over 100 hours but I, I've just done the one so like yeah. um, would you recommend doing multiple playthroughs I know there's other endings and stuff
2: but I definitely would recommend doing it but only if you go into the mindset with a completely different character build mm-hmm. because I did find when I went through for the second time still kept on my high full strength build and I was like yeah I've seen this attack animation quite a lot in the mm-hmm. last billion hours that I've played it so maybe let's switch it up and do something else mm-hmm. hell I even for a second went absolutely mad and tried to make crossbows work that ain't happening <laughs> that ain't happening mate
1: I think um, for my game of the year it would be it's definitely between Elden Ring and God of War and I don't think I've come down on one side yet it, I'm favouring Elden Ring just because of how much game is there it yeah. feels like the next Skyrim and it just feels like it absolutely nails everything it sets out to do whereas I would class some of God of War's pacing issues as a as an issue whereas like Elden yeah. Ring is just such an immaculate thing um, mm-hmm. next question from Gula Lopa. now I think that's the um, name back when I took this question from the Hall- when they were, it would have been halloween period and i must right. have, have written their name down i forget what their actual real name is but question from gula <laughs> lopa will waluigi ever get his own game within or independent of the mario series can nintendo properly capitalize on the memeness of good old wally or is it just a cough cough pipe drink
2: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care
1: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals
2: like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
0: Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. I'll see you all soon.
2: Dream. Unfortunately, cough, cough, I think it is the pipe dream. <laughs> I, I just don't see them doing it, man. I mean, how do you not do
1: it, like a bank robbery game with him though? Cause he's got the little, he could move with a big yeah. sack of cash and it'd be great.
2: I'm hoping, really hoping that maybe we would be lucky enough in the fact that the uh, Mario film might make uh, like silly Mario become a thing and Nintendo right. would lean heavily into it. But mm-hmm. the fact that they've been so reticent to do anything with the Waluigi character does seem to they prove that they don't really care what the regular public He's think about pick, them.
1: He's a like he was in isn't he? he was in Mario Strikers this year and he got some of the best animations for goals and celebrations and yes. stuff and it's like, you yeah. guys, I know it's not, it's not Nintendo first party making that, that stuff, but they still have to make those calls and and let the team do it. Um, And I like it there's clearly they know what Waluigi means to the populace like they get the Waluigi love but I don't know if that goes away by capitalizing on it. I don't know if they're better off keeping him as like this Everyone loves him, but he's like the, the best like side character ever kind of thing.
2: I feel like what they should do is start thinking of ways to pair him up in games that are basically impossible to fail. Mm. So it's like if they did a new uh, Super Paper Mario, have Luigi as the <laughs> star, or do like another Bowser's Inside Story style thing, but with Luigi being one of the people... Wait, like, Luigi be- or Waluigi? Oh, Waluigi. Sorry, that's yes. what I meant to say. Um, but then it's like, it's because I was thinking of Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, I was an thinking of yeah. Same. An obvious thing to do would be to just take a... Uh, Luigi's Mansion just do an expansion called Waluigi's yeah. Mansion where it's just like him in the star role doing that but using exact counter moves to Luigi or
0: how so it's like a two a, player thing like I don't know it's a, I don't know why but goal. I just
1: I view him as like a like a thief like a robber just the way he has the yeah, big long legs yeah, yeah, and he sort yeah. of does that like old school almost like a Looney Tunes style you know like a bank robber yeah, and I was like yeah. you could put, put him in a mansion full of rich people and he has to steal cash or something I don't know something like that and you have to get away with it in different ways or something um, that might be they, cool they
2: should go for the uh, gritty reboot so it's uh uh, wario and waluigi in like forgotten sons or something like that and you remember when like epic mickey came around and it was all like dark evil disney have like dark (laughs) evil nintendo so it's like them and other forgotten uh villains from the past team together to finally kill mario (laughs) the
1: day that nintendo goes back to a gritty real world thing is like when they did the original mario brothers movie and it's like that's the the day they commit to like naughty dog style absolute like mario's just sick of collecting (laughs) coins he's got too many what is what is he even do with them? What even is his purpose? Has yeah. a lifestyle decision. I did Quite see that the um, there's been a one minute and a half trailer. Um, it was trademarked or something uh, for the Mario Brothers movie. So it seems like we're getting something else at the Game Awards, okay, cool. which is one of the assumptions anyway. Um, so I guess we'll hopefully see. I was going to say hopefully see more Chris Pratt voice. I guess I want to I want to know more. Well, we I have to, to because um, like. at
2: the at the moment people are like speculating. It's like oh, there's there's a, a little element of Italian or Brooklyn accent mm. in him. So uh, like, are there going to be more? So we just need to hear him more to yes. finally make the final judgment call on whether or not he's going to be a good fit for the role yeah same like,
1: yeah i just want to, at this stage i just want to see more of it and i hope there's more bowser in there too um next question from shane who says with modern warfare 2 being the latest game to cause a skill based matchmaking debate what are your thoughts on skill based matchmaking as a system to encourage replayability or monetization for the newer guns and does skill based skill based matchmaking get the thumbs up or thumbs down from ourselves all the love you legends you well thank, Aww, you, very thank you very much when you come down on the old skill based matchmaking thing
2: what do you so as in like your level determines who you can play against
1: well so the, yeah the whole debate is that like your performance in a certain match if you've done really really well in the in Call of Duty or whatever and mm-hmm. your your KD your kill death ratio is extremely good um, then they'll put you in a, in a much stronger match next time so there's a you're going to go up against a bunch of people who are closer to your skill level so you'll have a in theory, like, a, a better time. But, like, you yeah. won't be able to dominate as much. That's what it is in theory. I think the whole debate around Modern Warfare 2 was how skewed a lot of those metrics were, where if someone was doing very, very well, they would then get put in such a tough uh, tier that it was just not fun at all. And I was like, uh, I talked to right. Josh about this because there's a yeah. whole wing of the of Modern Warfare, or call, just Call of Duty players, who are the no-scopers, who are, like, jumping around everywhere, who are slide-cancelling, who are mm-hmm. doing all the PC-based stuff. Um, and it's just not fun to play against them however I don't mind skill based matchmaking as a principle it's just that you need to tweak the metric side of it correctly or address all the broken stuff
2: I mean I don't understand why this is even a topic of discussion every single multiplayer game worth its salt has two match modes which is well, social and ranked and ranked yeah. is the one where you get put into these higher league things because they actually matter to you more so mm-hmm. you, you go up against very competitive players and mm. in social it's just a free for all like well, I think the sometimes, idea was sometimes, even... some, but sometimes like sometimes and I know this is going to sound weird mm. some of the best experiences that I've had in a modern warfare game or sorry in a Call of Duty game have been going up against ridiculously hard teams that only have like maybe one or two good members who are dominating them but because every single time you defeat them it feels great and yeah your team's going to lose but who cares matches are only 10 to 15 minutes jump back into a new one like yeah yeah
1: yeah I, I back that like when you manage to take someone out and it says like you know, you've killed the leader or whatever like Kingslayer or something Like, I like oh, that stuff it's,
2: it's the only time ever that I fully endorse teabagging <laughs> to just be like yeah you know what finally we have got our revenge on this person yeah and
1: especially if you know that you're way down the ranks and it's like you just took out the guy at the top you know that they are very annoyed on the other end of the microphone
2: like when we were playing um, Halo Infinite, and we were going through the swap mode stuff. Mm. Like we went up against a few teams that were just ridiculously yeah, difficult. Yeah. But when we got that one or two victories over them for doing it for really knuckling down, mm-hmm. we played better because we went up against stiffer challenges. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, this is wicked. I feel like a better player because we're using teamwork. True. Admittedly, if you go through fifty matches where you lose every single one, you're going to be a bit <laughs> deterred if you just like have the same sort of stomping again and again. Yeah. But for growth. This thing- like
1: overall came from it was a streamer called Tim the Tatman who was just saying that he wouldn't be streaming Modern Warfare 2 because it has skill it still has skill based matchmaking, which resulted in a bunch of different streamers and just general conversation around how sweaty quote unquote Call of Duty has become with all the top tier players exploiting yeah, yeah. all the different physics things to, mm-hmm. you know, beat everyone. And it was just that whole debate around like how do you try and maintain competitiveness, or should it be more like, of like a free for all?
2: I guess in their case, because of the fact that it um, forces you to play in one way effectively, mm. you either rise to the top and play in a Homogeneous fashion mm-hmm. um, where everyone does all the dash cancels and the jumping and the bunny hops and stuff like that <laughs> or you try and have fun and just accept that you're going to get punished every once in a while and then pushed back down the ranks to climb back up again. Well, that was what I, I said see, to. I can see that that yo-yo might be frustrating.
1: Yeah, that's what I said to Josh. I was like, well surely if you're doing really, really well you then know that the next match you're in like you've, you've earned that. Like you sort of like oh, yeah. that was your choice to play that well. Um, but I think he was just saying that the way that the, the matches you get put into it puts you in such a tough bracket with such um, a hard immediate skill ceiling or whatever yeah. that um, you just have you, it's just so not fun to go up against those kinds of players but those are the only kinds of players that Call of Duty can suggest to you because that's how their algorithm works or whatever so it's for me I like the idea of skill-based matchmaking on paper as long as it's done well and um, but, Do you think that yeah. it's
2: one of those things that's going to level out over time because of the fact that it's just at the beginning of the launch phase, obviously you're going to get people mm-hmm. who are very good and have played Call of Duty for ages and a ton of casual players that are going to come in. Mm-hmm. So you've got basically that huge pool of people on the ground floor and you've got a very small select elite group at the top that are basically staying up there because they play it 24-7, nothing else. Mm-hmm. So when you bounce up, there are no middle floors. It's like taking the express elevator straight exactly. to the top floor. So yeah. over time, surely this should get better. So, You'd think so.
1: I mean, it's like it's weird. Like, how how long are we in now? Fifteen years since Modern Warfare One.
2: Yeah, and it's just like, and we're we still
1: getting some of the same issues at launch. Not necessarily skill based matchmaking, but there's still issues with spawns. I had a guy just spawn right in front of me, and I just got to kill yeah, him. Yeah, those sort of things it. are
0: just ridiculous. Stuff like
1: that, where it's like every year we have the same stuff. Um, mm. and skill based matchmaking was just one of the issues that got thrown in the pile. Um, back when Modern Warfare first came out. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of it on paper. I just, I agree with you though. It's like sometimes it can be like going from the bottom floor to the top, and then going like, oh my god, I'm I'm just absolutely getting slaughtered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I need to go back down again, and then trying to find a decent middle ground. Um, next question from Andrew. Andrew J. who says, In Australia, Pokemon Sapphire and Violet is listed at almost half price before its release. Is this kind of discount a red flag from a company notoriously stingy when it comes to discounting their games? Also, Jack Asbury says, What starter are we picking in the new Pokemon? I don't even know if you're getting the new Pokemon I, I ain't
2: know. get I ain't getting the new Pokemon I'll tell you that much <laughs> man I'm about uh, seven Pokemon removed from my last game and I left really? it on a high note with heart gold dude oh. one of the best best Pokemon <laughs> games out there and I'm not just saying that for nostalgia because mm-hmm. I actually came back to that way after it was released. a friend of mine gifted it to me and I was mm-hmm. like, this game is. Sick.
1: Oh, I've like I've bought ever since I got back into it on Pokemon Go. That was the one that made me just live on Pokemon again. I've bought every annual installment since then, um, including this year's Pokemon Arceus. Which I keep. I feel like it's almost a meme now. I say I have over a hundred, had over a hundred hours in something, but I do in um, Pokemon Arceus. I absolutely loved it. I just. I can't... Like, looking at Sapphire and Violet, I just don't... Sorry, Scarlet and Violet. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give them that much money for something that looks that bad. And I get that all the gameplay improvements are cool, but I also don't trust trust the Switch to run them very well. Like, even in the trailers, yeah. the frame rate is terrible. Yeah, it, it, and it looks I'm just like looks like janky and it's like no no background detail is there Um, but in terms of the uh, which I guess that that could be a, a contributing factor to um, the price being lowered because they kind of get that the reception to this one is mm-hmm. a lot more negative than it was going into Arceus I mean the thing that's not really been talked about is how Nintendo are doing what Ubisoft did in 2014 they're releasing two of the same game in the same year like when Ubisoft did it with Assassin's Creed Unity yeah just it's overkill um, absolutely overkill yeah and it's like Nintendo, it's like, well, they're Nintendo, so whatever. We just don't criticize them, but they are fleecing the
2: market. So I'm looking at the three uh, Pokemon starters now. So you've yep. got Sprigatito, Sprigatito Fuecoco, Fue Fue and Quaxly. Yeah. Okay, so just looking at these here. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't hate any of them. Um, no. I actually think that the designs are really cool because you've got the nice pompadour on Quaxley. I do like uh, I like that, yeah. I like that F- uh, Coco is kind of like an apple and a crocodile at the mm. same time. And the other one's just a cat. So if we're going to go on <laughs> Game of the Year mode, then obviously then Spriggazito... Well, yeah, it's an your
1: top six of the year, so... Yeah, yeah
2: exactly. Um, but I personally would choose Quaxley just because of Shout the fact out. that he's reminding me of um, uh, Dodgeball Academia's Arno, I believe his name is, who also okay. has a nice like <laughs> slick back pompadour and kind of giving off um, Travis Touchdown vibes as well
1: yeah I was going back to uh, Airquaxi I've not seen what their revolutions are but I remember there was a um, in Sword and Shield there was a um, so I can't even think of the creature but their middle evolution was like an emo thing where they got like a big fringe Amazing. and I was like that's such, a, that's such a cool thing to go for um, but yeah I would probably go with Quaxley as well just because I'm curious what that thing turns into and yeah, um, what do you think about the um, the price stuff do you, like, do you think looking at um, Sapphire and Violet it yeah. looks remotely worth the that, money
2: no definitely not for me <laughs> uh, I, I looked at that and I was just like cool that is a hard pass it couldn't be any harder for me mm-hmm. to walk away from that um, I... It is a bit of a red flag to have them on sale before they're released. I don't think I can remember mm. any game that comes out. With that. I mean, the question... Like pre-order price. The, the, the question would be, why do that? You've already got a huge market of people that probably would buy it at full price anyway, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, you've got a bit of bad press, but you've got to remember that most of the people that you're marketing to, aka the sort of like ten to thirteen year olds who readily snap up this stuff, regardless, Mm. that's just another excuse for them to spend money. So, Mm -hmm. I've just looked actually. It's I wouldn't do that.
1: Yeah, it's listed as forty seven ninety nine for uh, Argos in the UK, and there's a forty two yeah. ninety nine um, price as well for uh, at Very.com. So it seems like it's very it's lots of forty pounds between forty and forty five, which is like obviously down from like even like Breath of the Wild is still going for fifty or sixty. Yeah, that's uh, just most odd. Of the time. Very odd. So I don't know how much they're just aware of. You know, we've already done Pokemon Arceus. Some people are still playing through that. Um, yeah. And then it's just that idea of like, can we sell you another two games? Obviously, people pick one, but yeah. still.
2: But the, but it's, it's Christmas time. Like, yeah. now is the time not to offer sales or stuff like that. It's the time to basically go, yeah, cool, Christmas is here and you're going to have <laughs> uh, basically pressure from every single uh, company in the world to spend. Oh, I think um, they'll do
1: both. I think you'll get your little, like, price thing now, you get your Black Friday in a couple of weeks, yeah, and then yeah. you've got all the console bundles for Christmas.
2: I mean, going back to the original uh, commenter's question, I guess that, yeah, it does just signal that they have zero face in this game. They know that as soon as they <laughs> comes out, it's going to get lambasted by critics. So, of course, they've just gone right. Let's make as much money as we can, rather than just go for the small uh, mm-hmm. contingent of people that would buy at a higher price. I think as
1: well. I think I got its name wrong twice. It's Scarlet and Violet. That's what okay. I, I think I was okay. saying. Sapphire, but there's just there's so many at this point. There's two a year for the <laughs> longest time we could remember. Um, next question. Actually, uh, no. Final question from yep. Vernon Punk Base. Who says you BP? Hope your UBP, legends are brother. doing well. What is a game that you don't feel gets enough love? Mine is Legend of Legaya, a classic RPG with great story, innovative combat. And a summon system, customizable gear, and packed it all into a PlayStation 1 disc. Please play this game if you can find a copy. Now, yeah. I played Gaya 2 on PS2, which I loved because I, I went through a whole turn based uh, RPG. Anything with that was turn-based, like Grandia yeah. or um, or Lagaya, I mopped that up, so I can back the sequel to that. But I've not okay. actually played the original. I don't know if you played. I don't know if you played the Lagaya. Um,
2: I think I have. I think it's got some sort of like um, Japanese anime protagonist on the front yes. of it. That might be a Lundra, <laughs> though. I'm not entirely sure. I get those two oh, very we, confused. Lagaya um,
1: dude's got like blue hair. I think. I think if I remember the let box. Me, art, let me
2: right? ju- let me just. Can you look up Lagaya
1: you- two. Let me tell you.
2: Like Gaia uh, 2 let's have a look here. So Because I uh, love that
1: whole that whole period where it was like if you were into JRPGs, there were so many. There was like a different yeah, one every six right? months.
2: Oh I know the one you're yeah. thinking of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, oh yeah. Damn, that is as generic as a box of a cover <laughs> heart that you can have, man. But I mean, was it good I'm the big sequel? Fun.
1: I love too I mean like I said it was like that idea of just sort of like JRPG 101 but it did have um, I mean the thing is I'm going back like almost 20 years at this point Yeah. Um, but I remember thinking the combat system was cool I'm sure there was a brawler character that you kind of dialed in their moves a little bit like Tifa in Final Fantasy 7 oh, nice. where you were picking different paths through the um, through the combat that you wanted to do um, and I remember liking the story I remember thinking that was really cool and uh, I'm sure it was one of the Grandia games Grandia 2 or 3 okay. um, that I really like gravitated towards as well it was just I liked that whole era considering when I was like a young teenager um, of like you could put you could name your characters after yourself so yeah. it was like you were going on this grand journey and that every character was like we need to Scott's going to save the world and I was like yeah yeah I'll, yeah, I'll do that I'm 10 and so like yeah I was uh, I was all over that entire boom that came from Final Fantasy 7
2: I absolutely love the fact that it's usually games where the um, the characters would be called like uh, Cecil Pithlewhip the Third, <laughs> and then it'll be like um, uh, Jacoby uh, Pringleface, uh, and, then, and, and then it just goes like Scott. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go
1: Scott. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, you gotta you gotta make it work. I think, um, yeah, but I like, like even though it was super budget when you look at it now. Like it looks like it was made for about ten pounds. Um, at the time, it was in that specific boom where like like people like Vernon Punk Bases Saying, if you picked those games up at the time, um, they really stood out. What would you have as your game that doesn't get enough love? It doesn't have to be an RPG.
2: Well, Scott and Vernon, my game that does not get enough love but still deserves it is the PS2 classic Gladius or Gladius? Gladius. gladius. It's it's um it's a sword, isn't it? A gladius? I believe I so. The- yeah, that's that sounds right, Jules. Uh-huh. That's just say it with confidence, <laughs> and that'll be fine. It was a um, oh, I'm
1: looking at this like the Roman Colosseum game. Yeah, it was a okay.
2: turn-based um, squad game where Oof. you would basically fight in arenas around the world to become the champion of champions. Plus, mm. it had some sort of like crazy overarching plot of like uh, lots of conspiracies and evil things. But you could go and recruit different uh, members of uh, other gladiators to your team, yeah. and you can have big hulking brutes the style that would be in um, Gladiator the film you know that fight nice. that he has with the Gaul, you yeah, remember that yeah. uh-huh. um, it's, you can get a guy who looks pretty much bang on that nice. uh, you can get like wolves to fight with you archers as well and it's a game that used verticality that quite well <laughs> where you'd have like little boxes or little ruins and you jump on top of it and it would give you advantages about people you were attacking oh, you. Love- so yeah. getting the high ground was actually like it, very important and not just a meme so yeah, yeah it was really fun game really, that thing really looks cool sweet stuff.
1: there was a game on PS2 as well called like Spartan Total War or something that was like a more like God of War style one
2: yeah. I, just, I remember being
1: really really chunky and everyone recommending it I didn't actually play it but okay. I just remember that that little Spartan boom that we had because of God of War you sort of had a few yeah. other games that were um, similar in terms of Roman stuff and um, I tell you I was going to shout out because the other day I was editing an article and someone mentioned the Blade 2 game
2: and I don't wow. know if you, you no, no, I didn't play that, but that is I remember when it came out though. I used to
1: love the Blade 2 movies, one of my favourite movies. It still is one of my favourite action movies, but that game had a right analog stick fighting system where it was yeah. like in you know, all the articles going up to it was oh you can move the stick in different directions and like parry and do all these things. And then when you got it, it was just like you move the stick and you just like one animation and yeah, one animation. It's so and one animation. basic and chain it? like some parts of it, but not very much. And I remember the PS2 version couldn't even handle the flow of his coat. It was only on the Xbox <laughs> version. So I remember coming home with it being like, Oh dad. It's the wrong one. But, I mean, that that yeah. just
2: reminds me of um, there was a Tom Clancy game that came out. I, I know it was one of the Rainbow Six games, and hmm. it came with a headset, and it was like the first one to try and popularize using the headset to speak to your team to get them to do oh, actions. Oh, so you would awesome. like, so you'd be like, uh, be like breach and clear yes. and then they would do the animations to do that even though all it took to do the exact same motion was to hold down one of the <laughs> buttons and then press like a directional thing to do it but uh-huh. the fact that it made you feel like you're in charge i was like this is amazing but then i remember watching my dad play it mm. and he doesn't have an accent like right. i don't have uh, that much of an accent apart no? from a british one mm. but my dad has maybe more of like a like a southwest accent right. maybe but watching him just be like Breach and clear, like that. It just, like, it (laughs) didn't... Work for him, but it worked for me. So he was uh, getting really frustrated with it. I remember when because it was we like traded the, it in like the next day because he got oh, annoyed.
1: At. Like it was such a cool because like, that was like conflict desert storm and so calm and oh, like all those conflict like squad storm. I know it was so oh. cool and it's like so calm. I remember getting home because you had the headset and stuff, yeah. and it was like pure dad joke where it was like fire at will, and then my dad is just like, oh who's will or watch ah. out for will. But at the time when it worked, it was cool. But yeah, that was like a, that was a whole point in time.
2: I've got just one we'll leave it on one story one conflict desert storm story um, which is when I was playing that game me and my friend Liam were playing through the game co-op like Mm -hmm. relentlessly absolutely loved that because we were trying to get like I think it ranked your thing out of like how many stars you could get to the end and I think three stars was like the best you could do Mm -hmm. and the first level has one of the players set on one side of the map and the other player is locked in a jail cell yes and they need to wait until the other player comes and frees them and there's like about 20 enemies along the way that you could just (laughs) run through and run and gun but I wanted to do a challenge where it was just only using the, the knife and right. stealth <laughs> and oh man I feel so sorry for Liam he must have watched me play that level that opening level because he would never play as uh, player one obviously, yeah, I, don't yeah, think yeah, that, obviously I was it's that character he was the other character mm. um, he must have sat there waiting for me for like hours of his life <laughs> because every single time I got spotted I was like can I do it again he's like <laughs> yeah, can, yeah do it again but he was as hyped about it as I was when it yeah. finally happened I was like I did it I freaked you without getting good and as soon as we walk around the corner alarms go off <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, yeah, we
2: did it though. That
1: whole thing though, yeah, like, yeah, and we, we'll end this podcast. But that game had a really, really cool feature where if you played it single player, because it was a great co-op game, but if you yeah. played it single player and you switch to a character like a sniper and you put them on like a perch or something mm-hmm. and you put them in like the ready state so they're ready to fire and then you switch back to your other dude, the yeah. AI would take over and then yeah. you could like run in whilst covering yourself. And I was mm-hmm. like, no other squad game ever did that for single player squad stuff. No. It, it always feels like now a squad game is just like a loot shooter or something with like mm-hmm. with no AI at all. Um, where was like yeah Conflict Desert Storm arguably got it right in like 2002 it was just crazy like back, way back then
2: we should do like, uh, like a list on it where it's like uh, video game mechanics that were perfect the first time around or something like that yeah. yeah
1: just an excuse talk. I guarantee there'll be people out there reacting to Conflict Desert Storm that was yeah. a thing back yeah. then um, <laughs> but yes for now this has been the Untitled Band of Podcast the UBP the UBP the, the UBP. UBP. UBP I've been Scott Tilford you've been Jules Gill
2: I have indeed thank you very much for having me
1: thank you very much for sending in all your questions and talking points and we'll catch you next week